Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Christ, you hear that? They're going to be coming soon. With more of them, those machines. How the hell are we going to stand up to them, sir? What kind of chance are we even going to have? Get away from that window, Collins. That's an order. We got enough eyes on the perimeter without your running commentary. We're not here to assess our chances. We're here to run security for the operation. That's it. Anything else is secondary. Now, go check on the chain cannons and make sure they're in order. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. This wasn't going to be pretty, and that was being charitable. Recent revelations about the city and its masked inhabitants threw a huge bucket of cold water on our chances of pulling this whole thing off. Given what Dr. Pembry discovered, isn't it more likely the Esoterium will send in the cavalry? This city could never have been built with the Esoterium's blessing and resources without someone knowing about all this. You see, Agent, it seems we were never meant to discover anything here. At least not discover anything and live to tell about it. This was always, and only, a convenient way of disposing with some truth-seekers who'd outlived their usefulness. Whatever is at stake here, the cause of the dim and God knows whatever else, is something someone high up in the Esoterium would rather not have us knowing about. Why certain Esoteries seem so ardently dismissive of my inquiries into the cause of the Dim. Then the guy with the scythe? Was likely sent to make sure that if we did manage to find anything else, it didn't fall into the hands of the enemy. My feeling is, whoever within the Esoterium is watching all this, they too want to see the result of the ritual, but don't want the consequences of whatever that is getting out. So the assassin I ran into will likely be playing cleanup with us too. That is, if the Scream Eaters don't do the job first. Precisely, Agent Stroud. What was the reason the higher-ups gave for not wanting to get to the bottom of the dim? Seems only reasonable to pursue the cause. It wasn't my inquiry they objected to, but whom I would rely upon to further my inquest. You see, the Magic Lantern Club isn't exactly a darling of the Esoterium. The Moffats, the leaders of the club, are only very loosely affiliated with us, and are known to be somewhat, let's just say, conflicted in their loyalties. Be that as it may, I knew of no one else capable of cutting to the quick of this mystery. It took some convincing, but I finally made headway, at some expense to my career. If you don't mind my asking, Assistant Mysterian. If you must. From the sounds of things, you really fought for this mission. Why? What does this all mean to you? I suppose that's a reasonable question, and one I wouldn't deign to answer on most days. But, given the circumstances... Before I was an assistant Mysterian, I was the son of a prominent member of the Sinistradi, 
now part and parcel to that greater body of esoteries that make up the esoterium. My family's roots lie rather deeply within the city of Willard, one of the first cities to experience the madness that would later infect the world, the Great Darkness. Given the erudition I'm told you possess on such matters, you may know that some scholars of the Dark hold to the belief that there were, in fact, several smaller instances of the Darkness. Preambles, you might say, to what came later. Chief among them, the small town of Devil's Clay and, of course, Willard itself. My father was of the belief that the Darkness was the result of or at the very least, greatly assisted by the current state of the world's collective consciousness. The entire premise of the field of collective mechanics, and to a lesser degree, crypto-naturalism. Precisely. He warned of a second great darkness. At first, from his lofty appointment as Sinistrad Chancellor of Secrets, and then from his padded cell within the Minster and Gavel House at Pitford, where he died raving. You might also know that the bloodlines out of Willard are somewhat contaminated, that very few of us are spared the touch of madness. I have children, you see. And I will not yield the ground to another great darkness, another fit of madness. Not if I can help it. And so there you are, my reasons, Agent Stroud. And where does that all leave us tonight? Should we even chance the ritual? I intend to do what I've always done. Summon the strength of my conviction and sally forth. I suggest you do the same. My brother's out there, Gand. Likely without a hope of success. We need to go and help- Your brother also believes in his own strength. He will prevail, or he will not. It's that simple. It's always that simple. He knows this as surely as I, if not more so. You wanted to kill Scream Eaters, Agent? Soon you'll have your chance. Now, I have matters to attend to, and so do you. Get to them. Yes, sir. Oh, and if you call me Coleman ever again, I'll see your career reduced to the ashes that blow at our feet. Do you understand? Yes, Assistant Mysterian, sir. Gand was an insufferable prick, but at least now I realized he was a prick with purpose, for all the good it did me. My hope, a prayer to my own ignorance as a certain snooty assistant mysterian might contend, was that Mr. Sugar could get to Isaiah. Relying on the sugar-coated clown, regardless of his alleged connection to me, was more of a gamble than I liked. But he did seem to have our best interests at heart. <laughs> Emphasis on scenes. 
my mind kept going back to the killer at the alumni building. If they were sent to ensure no one got out of this the wiser, why not take me out then and there? Spare themselves and the Scream Eaters the trouble. I guessed, given the only angle that made sense, that I was needed to balance out the fight with the Eaters, to make it more difficult for them. An extra monkey wrench in the works. There were just too many cooks in the kitchen for me to sort out what was on the menu. But at the very least, it was a delicate dish. Whoever was pulling the strings behind the scenes couldn't just have the Scream Eaters force Fajin and company to perform the ritual, as that would put far too many monsters in the know. They had to balance out the two forces just right, so the Scream Eaters were kept enough in the dark so they'd hold off until we were pinned down by the ritual, and for Lister's assassin to grab the intel and mop up the mess. Given all that, the scenario washed up pretty cleanly. The Magic Lantern Club chalks up a regrettable, though understandable, loss during a call to duty. The Esoterium closes the book on letting prophecy deduce the deeper cause of the dim. And the chessboard resets with only the guy behind the curtain notching a win. Perched in a distant tower just outside the Chimney House district, sat the gargantuan Torturian avian. A vulture, now that I could see it somewhat clearly. Oh god, will you look at that thing? Just waiting for its chance. What the hell are we gonna do against that thing, huh? Just like the real thing. <laughs> Eyeballing the dead meat. We've got a viper on the roof with a mile's worth of belt-fed non-standard rounds ready to chew that shitbird to hell and back. Agent Stroud had me put it up there this morning, after the attack last night. Gilstrix was a rock. The one guy amongst all the troops who looked like he could handle whatever you threw at him, and then asked for more. A born and bred powerhouse. I hoped he could get his men through this. I hoped we could get his men through this. Although I was beginning to feel my limit. Even with the sun on its way out, my mind was the one part of me that didn't really benefit from the night. And I was worried sick about Isaiah. If he had a chance, it was gonna happen while the sun was up. And that window was closing. I needed to be alone, so I meandered to the back of the room where a small window gazed into the mazework of smaller buildings crowding the west side of the Chimney House district. As my mind turned cartwheels at the ever-worsening situation, my skin pricked, a cold chill wandering my bones. I could feel eyes, cold, accusative eyes pushing into me. I turned to where I could practically feel the intrusion. <sighs> it was Charlotte, my mother staring at me from a distant window across the alleyway. She was just a whisper of pale face, eyes like open caskets, dead memories frozen in place. Her lips moved before she retreated into shadow, what they might have said lost to the drift of hopeless ashes that wandered the wastes of the chimney house district. <sighs> Full-on hallucination was always my canary in the coal mine, the point where a breakdown was all but imminent. Most of the time, they're peripheral, just suggestions of shape and movement at the corner of my eye. Anything more than that, and I could hear the walls cracking. 
I almost wanted the bastards to attack at that very moment to free my mind. Where the fuck are you, Isaiah? These were the infamous Wailing Gates, the entrance to the Scream Eater's realm. The things burned open like the goddamn metal wall was stretching its mouth to shriek. And it was. The sound was more than just that. It was also fire and pain and force. I would have been blown away if it weren't for my power holding it out in front of me like a shield. My body turned away from the onslaught, a freezing white revolver ready to turn down the heat. Molten copper rained down from above, the room curdling from unearthly heat. The alien reality of the crematorium devouring whatever was left of sane and solid reality. And Hatch screamed from the white-hot pillory like he was a natural-born soprano. With each copper plate that melted away, more of the invasive, infernal reality of the head honcho revealed itself. It was like a cross between a demented steel factory and hell. Glowing slag pits dotted the scorched landscape. Enormous red-hot machines churned and grumbled from the molten shadows, venting screams and soot in equal measure. Directly in front of me, where the wailing gates had burned away entirely, a stooping castle of seething metal, every inch of it sizzling where it nestled into the blackest ash. The gates of the place burst open without ceremony or warning. Another blast wave of heat exploding across my outheld power. I didn't need a history lesson to recognize the uh, mechanical brazen bull she was riding atop, the infamous torture device that held captive victims in its hollow belly, while a fire set below the thing heated its metal skin, the screams of the tortured slipping from the beast's fluted mouth like sick music. Built to the scale and strength of a tank, its presence was cowed, pun intended, by the thing that rode atop it. She was a giant herself, well over ten feet, her naked, burned, and flaking body smoking from the rivlets of molten steel that veined it, her eyes set deep beneath a pitchy topknot of smoldering hair, were just black burn pits of smoke and ash. Her teeth flashed as she spoke, all of them made from seething copper. You reek of the world, I will burn to the soul of its last scream. That's saying something, sweetheart. Cause this place stinks to high. The crematorium's attack happened so fast I didn't even see it coming. And in the middle of my monologue, no less. She tried to tag me with some kind of burning ball and chain, and it blew right through my power. 
while I still managed to sidestep it well enough. One of its spikes grazed my shoulder. It was at that moment I realized I'd been a virgin to pain. Real pain. This was not just a sharp, blazing object. It was all the pain and loss and misery her fire had ever caused. And I was dead wrong about her and the salamander. Fucker didn't hold a candle to her. Human mouths are made for screaming, not talking. <laughs> ah, ugh. Fuck you, you goddamn... Not one of my better comebacks, but it did the job. I pulled my second revolver shot for the bull's foreleg, while the other went for its rider's eyes. Only one shot hit its mark, but with less than dazzling results. While the bull pitched forward, collapsing under the weight of an exploded knee, The scream eater just used the forward momentum to leap at me, laughing like a fucking maniac. <laughs> she was too fast, smashed right down on top of me, pinning my arms. Where her skin touched me, agony beyond description. <laughs> Fuck! She held her face close to mine her black holes for eyes sucking me in, those fucking teeth of hers hissing as a blackened tongue wormed words from her smoking mouth. Fire isn't my only gift for you, little boy. I've machines that can wrench screams from a stone, and a symphony of shrieks from soft, supple skin. I will drink the agony from your wet, screaming mouth. <laughs> Till time grows old and crumbles to dust. I wasn't gonna do it. Give her the satisfaction. Not so much as a single goddamn yelp. I crank my dials, frost-fighting back the heat where she touched me my eyes becoming the solid ice of a cold, dead world. As I pressed my limits, limits I was sure ten minutes ago I didn't have, the molten copper dripped upwards from where it bubbled and murmured upon the ground, recreating the pillory room, reality trying to make a comeback. Her left hand flinched as my frost snapped at her. It was just enough so that I could. The shots blew right through her, but they didn't seem to slow her down any. Little fool! Pulling myself off the ground, I took aim at her head, hoping the old tried-and-true shot to the brain pan might carry the day. But I'd forgotten all about the friggin' bull. Ah, fuck! The thing gored me with a pair of massive burning horns throwing me high into the air, and while I was up there, the crematorian wrapped her burning ball and chain around me, and in one fluid and powerful motion, wrenched me from the air. 
I crashed down with a smoldering, agonizing thump. And with that, I was done. The scream eater slowly walked to where I winced within red-hot chains, her copper grin blazing. Whatever powers you wield, slug, your greatest was arrogance. Thinking me your prey. She turned me face up with her foot, and once I'd been completely rolled over, she thrust it down upon my chest, striking a conqueror's pose. And now, the time has come. For you to sing! <laughs> Picking me up like I was little more than a side of beef bound for the butcher, she nodded at the side of the brazen bull, where a compartment slid open. Tangles of hapless people squirmed and bubbled within the copper cauldron of the bull's burning guts all of them splashing fitfully in a boiling yellow broth. No fucking way! My power erupted like a goddamn volcano, fueled by fear as much as pain, throwing the crematorium backwards. My hands practically frozen to the handles of the revolvers. I squeezed off a shot despite the biting chains. Hetch's head exploded like a ripe melon. With Hetch dead, the two worlds uncoupled. I reached my power out like a grasping hand for the edge of my reality, trying to catch a ride back to the pillory room. My grip secured, I felt the chains that bound me melt away, the burning reality receding from view. I caught the last gaze of the crematorium, still smiling smoke and scorching copper. A temporary reprieve only seasons the pain to come. I was back in the pillory room, inside the Enterprise building, within the real world. And I'd blown it, failed to take out the Queen of Blackledge, Turning to make for the exit, I heard the pillory start up again, the wailing gates burning back open. I couldn't figure out how the fuck she was pulling it off without someone locked into the pillory. Where the hell was the power coming from? I was just about to warn you about that, my dear brother. <laughs> you see, the city's sitting on a veritable cornucopia of chronic pain power. <laughs> but, fear not, I've got a plan. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait to hear it. I knew you'd be excited. <laughs> well, if we want to make sure Romy and her courageous colleagues can get through the ritual in one piece, we have a wonderful opportunity to split the enemy's forces. 
you pour your pale power across the pillory, keeping the queen of killer campfires at blissful bay, and I'll deal with the scream eaters that come to spring her. Isn't that a marvelous plan? <laughs> you, you can do that? You're gonna fight? For us? My sugar-drunk brother just grinned at me as he withdrew a huge, curving candy cane from somewhere behind himself. Pulling at the rounded portion, the top came away from the base, revealing a long, glinting blade. A candy cane sword. You gotta be kidding me, sugar. <laughs> I'm always kidding you, Isaiah. And you shouldn't be surprised by what I'm willing to do for my family. Especially my one and only brother. <laughs> Here they come. Now, you just concentrate on keeping the wailing gates closed and I'll concentrate on killing everyone and everything that comes in here to stop you. <laughs> oh, goodness, isn't this going to be a hoot? I'm not sure I savvy your plan, sugar. We should cut and run. Romy's gonna need all the help she can get. Oh, don't you worry about our sweet, sweet sister. She's more than capable, and besides, I've left her in some very, very capable hands. <laughs> when will the eaters attack? We've been hiding in this wreck of a building for hours. I want to get on with it. Down, you old mangy dog. They'll be here soon enough. But you just remember, we're not just killing all willy-nilly. We have to protect Rosemary. She is our sister, you know. I don't care who or what she is. As long as she draws out the prey, so that I might kill and feed. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Maltopia, head over to maltopia.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. <tryk>